Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. There is a podcast that lies between the imagination of two simple-minded earthlings. Travel with these two longtime friends, Jimbo and 80s E, as they attempt to explore the fifth dimension. Follow along with them as they take the key and unlock the door to the vast space between shadow and substance. This podcast is one of trivia, of insight, and of sounds and ideas from one of the greatest television shows ever produced. You are embarking on a timeless journey. There is your signpost up ahead. You are entering the tragedy of cinema's Twilight Zone. Mr. Roger Shackleforth, age youthful 20s. Occupation, being in love. Not just in love but madly, passionately, illogically, miserably, all-consumingly in love. With a young woman named Leela who has a vague recollection of his face and even less than a passing interest. In a moment, you'll see a switch, because Mr. Roger Shackleforth, the young gentleman so much in love, will take a short but very meaningful journey into the Twilight Zone. All right, guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast, the Twilight Zone series. I'm your host, Jimbo, and I'm here in person in studio with none other than... Oh, oh, we're on. We're recording. Sorry, I was just listening to a little uh, Searcher's uh, Love Potion number 9, trying to get myself prepared for this episode, The Chaser. A lot of themes running through... uh, through the uh, the song and the uh, episode, so sorry, let me turn this down so we can go ahead and resume with our That's a our really good song, here. man. I yeah. remember uh, there was an old movie called Love Potion Number 9, I do believe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was it an 80s movie? Yeah. yeah, yeah. 80s or early 90s, yeah, it was yeah. one of the two. It was pretty good. Yeah. So just trying to get ourselves in the mood here to go <laughs> over this uh, Twilight Zone episode. This tragedy of an episode. <laughs> uh, these next two are some humdingers, let me tell you. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll save that for the other episode, but uh, <laughs> yeah, episode 31, only a few more episodes left in this season one of our series. Indeed. Um, it's been a fun ride. It's been a couple of weeks. We've had some scheduling conflicts and some work schedules and some other issues pop up, but here we are, and we're ready to knock out the rest of these so Eric can take a nice uh, summer break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Eric, episode 31, The Chaser, take it away. The Chaser. This is uh, the Twilight Zone. This is season number one, episode thirty-one. Um, it was directed by Douglas Hayes, and the story was by John Henry Collier, and the teleplay by Robert Priesnell Jr. Um, this original air date for this episode was on May the thirteenth, nineteen sixty, and the total production cost at that time was forty thousand two hundred twenty-eight dollars. 
and 24 cents. And if we adjust that for inflation in today's dollars, um, we're looking at $359,984.31. So $360,000 for an episode in today's money. I don't, I don't know where that would rank that. Maybe that would be high, low. I don't even know what an estimate of a regular television show episode would be, um, for to, in today's, um, in today's venue or whatever, but that's what we would be in dollars. Um, do you want to take the, the cast next sure. for this particular episode? Sure. There was some pretty good acting in this uh, episode, I thought, um, but we'll start at the top. You had the main character, Mr. Roger Shackleforth. Um, he was played by George Grizzard. Or Grizzard. Um, he was in Flag of Our Fathers, where he played John Bradley. And he was also in Bachelor Party, where he played Ed Thompson. Did you ever see Bachelor Party there, Eric? No, I've never seen Bachelor Party. Right. I'm not familiar with it. Then you had, uh, and I think this guy probably stole the episode, was uh, the Professor A. Damon. Uh, <laughs> that's a play on words there yeah. we'll get to a little <laughs> bit later. Pretty obvious play uh, on words, yeah. isn't it? Uh, John McIntyre. Um, he was in uh, Psycho, uh, where he played Sheriff Al Chambers in 1960. He was also in Turner and Hooch. He was also in the great have, Disney cartoon. I have seen Turner and Hooch. Oh, man. <laughs> he was also in The Rescuers, where he played Rufus. Uh, have you seen The Rescuers, too? No, I haven't seen them. Oh, okay. Uh, Patricia Berry as Leela. Um, she was in The Twilight Zone, the movie, where she played the mother. Uh, you had J. Pat O'Malley uh, was playing Hornberg, who was in 101 Dalmatians. Uh, where he played Colonel and Jasper. He was in Jungle Book as the Colonel, uh, the Haiku, Haiki, the Elephant. Uh, he was in Alice in Wonderland. He was in Ichabod and Mr. Toad. So he had a lot of voice work in the um, Disney animations. He had Major Marjorie Bennett. Uh, she played, I like how they just have these as like the old woman. She played the old woman. Um, she was actually in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Uh, she was in Mary Poppins as Miss Lark. And she was also in 101 Dalmatians as well as The Duchess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Barbara Perry as the blonde woman. <laughs> so here we go with these just casual names. Uh, then you, here's another good one. You had Rusty Westcott as our coat as the tall man. Tall man. So you remember the tall boy, short boy from the yeah. last episode. Yeah. And then you had Dwayne Gray, which you liked as the bartender. Um, he was in the movie Charo. Which was a Elvis movie uh, where he played Gabe in 1969. And there is your cast, Mr. All Cummings. right. Moving on with the technical specs. It's pretty straightforward again this week. It's The runtime is 25 minutes. The sound mixes mono with the Westrex recording system. Uh, the color, there is no color. This is in black <laughs> and white. Uh, the aspect ratio is 1.33 over 1. And the cinemagraphic process is spherical. Spherical. Uh, let me move on to the plot. The plot is Roger, Roger Shackleford, the main character. Shackleforth, isn't it? His last name is Shackleforth. Right, Shackleforth. Sorry, I might have mispronounced that. He is desperately in love with a uh, with the beautiful Layla, but the woman does not share his enthusiasm. Working on the recommendation of a satisfied customer, Roger visits Professor A. Demon or Damon, however you want to pronounce it a dealer who makes his living in selling potions. Roger explains uh, his problem, and the professor sells him a love potion guaranteed to ensure Leela will never leave his side. This ensures, uh, or this he ensures, is an elementary parlor trick of science that will prove its worth when Leela drinks the champagne-spiked 
with the elixir. The potion only costs a dollar, but the magic is worth every cent. <laughs> Months later, newly married Roger finds that Leela's love is a bit too much. A constant love, she hangs on his every word. Returning to the professor, Roger asks for a means of escape and discovers that the only way out out is a glove cleaner, a murderous poison that is untraceable, containing no odor or flavor. The cost is much more than a single dollar, hence the professor's method for making his living. Returning home, Roger attempts to poison his wife, but drops the poison when... Uh, he learns that she is expecting, and she assures him that this is just the beginning. So, da da da. So, uh, yeah. That's and he passes out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, moving on from there, do we want to open up the episode here? And yeah, go ahead. The first scene that we have on the opening of this episode is um, everyone is standing in a line to use the phone at a phone booth. Uh, this is a this is quite archaic to our way of life now. Um, so it, someone has basically deboed the phone booth, and that person would be Roger Shackleforth. And then there's an older man who walks in, and I've already forgotten his name in the cast. Uh, who was this guy? Homburg? Is this J. Pat O'Malley? Uh, Homburg? The guy that comes in, I, the I older really, man. I don't really think you ever found out his name. Yeah, because I was really disappointed on, we discussed this earlier, the first time I watched the episode, I thought they were going to develop this Homburg's character, this older gentleman that comes in, and he's trying to use the phone. And there's this big, long line to use the pay phone, and he's paying people off, basically, to cut in line, because he has a very important phone call to make, and Roger Shackleforth is... Now, I told you my theory on that, but we'll save it till the end of the episode. Oh, okay. I think he's going... To get to the front of the episode. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I remember what you said. Right. But the one I like in that scene, the old lady that's in the front line, and she's like, why should the le- number one person in line pay- be paid the same as the one at the back of the line? Right, right. Mine would be $2. Yeah, she made him pay. So he moves his way He moves his way up the line, and, and that was the other thing that was kind of weird for me is that they didn't develop this Homburg character. I mean, you really only see him... I thought he was going to be a main character when I first saw the episode, and it doesn't play out that way at all. And so he moves his way up the line, paying people off. The old lady, finally, he pays her the $2 so he can move. And we come to find out that Roger's on the phone with Leela, and Leela, he's been calling and calling and calling, and she finally picks up, and Leela has no interest at all in what Roger has to say. And, um, you know, she's talking to him. She's very short with him, right? She doesn't have anything nice to say to him. Now, this is something that we brought up. Um, It looks like she's in a very, very well-established hotel room, if you will, apartment. Yeah. Uh, It looks fancy. Penthouse. Yes, it is a penthouse. Um, so that made me ask you the question, Eric, what do you think her job would be? She's dressed nice. Um, we find out a little bit later in the episode, she has some really nice earrings, diamond earrings. She has nice bracelets on. Um, but I would say if I had to guess, and and this is totally speculation on my part, is I would say she was either a movie actress or she was a lady of the night, a call girl. That's the only two that you can think of uh, that comes to my mind. 
I would lean only because I've seen the, the remake version from Tales from the Crypt from 1991. They remade this episode, and the the lady in that episode was a semi-famous actress, and she lived in a really nice um, apartment. So, yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that she was probably somewhat of a well-known person, female, maybe actress or something, but... She is a woman with some sort of means. You can kind of tell that with all of her jewelry, like you said, and the the the, how, the penthouse is really nicely furnished. Right. And so Roger is just—he's completely smitten. So, Here, sorry. So, so when when he finally does make it into the uh, the guy makes it to the front of the thing, he gets in there. And obviously Layla's hung up on him, and he's like, hey, you know, well, here, here's this card. This guy will help you with whatever you need, whatever. So he gets this card with his address and name on it that he needs to go look at, and so the guy can use the phone. And so, Eric, if you want to take away to the next scene. Um, this is where we he encounters the, the home of Professor A. Demon, or Damon, however you <laughs> want to say it. Um, but going back to Layla, she, here's the other thing that kind of, I was disappointed by. They they don't give any kind of backstory of how they came to know each other. I know this is only like a twenty five minute episode, and I know you can't develop everything, but it it's it's kind of like over the top with Roger. Like he's he's telling her he's in love with her. He's completely infatuated. This is like total puppy love. He's just, you know what I mean. Like he's pouring it on, and you don't know how he got to this point. Like is he just some random? Well, woman of, that he met, and then he just fell head over heels in love with her. We don't know how they came to know each other. Well, and the reason I say that uh, she might be a movie or something, because you hear about people today that get so obsessed with a celebrity, yeah. and they stalk them. I, th- I would call him a stalker. Yeah. That, um, yeah. So I, that much makes me think she's a little bit of a famous, and she maybe signed an autograph for him. I talked to him one time, or went on, on a date with him one time, and now he's thinking that as, oh, she likes me a lot. But yeah. she probably says that to every man she comes in contact with. Yeah. So he's just pouring it on. You know, I love you, I love you, and... She tells him to take a what was her line? Take a a jump on a wild jump at the moon or something, <laughs> something like that. crazy, That'll, something along those lines. Basically, like, dude, I don't want to have anything to do with you. So then we're back to a business card is exchanged uh, with the older gentleman that we see in the very opening scene, and he hands you know this business card. He tells him to go to to the house of Professor A. De- Damon, Demon, whatever. So we we are at his house, and then we open the door, and it kind of is, there's like a darkened or blackened hallway between the front door and the door of the, what would you call it, the library that they go into? Uh, yeah, study, library, shop, whatever you want to Yeah, and I got a little bit of trivia that I'll throw in right here. It says, in the original script, Roger visits a professor who removes the love potion from a drawer in his desk and sells it to him. So apparently the original script called for like a desk drawer. And then uh, Hayes decided that Roger uh, departs from reality when he visits the professor, so the scene should be out of the ordinary. So he says, uh, we built a very long, narrow set, which was very high, with lots of bookcases. So that's the library that we're in now. And Hayes explained, uh, we didn't put backs on any of these bookcases. Instead, we covered the backs with gauze and lit it from behind so that the book's stood out in relief against the light, which was something they never do in a bookcase. Um, But you don't think about that because it's the Twilight Zone and you accept these weird things. I also wanted to bring this up as 
I talked to Jimbo about this earlier. When you come into the library, there's a great shot um, from the camera is really way up high. So it looks like the library, you know, like has, I don't know, like 50 foot ceilings because it makes it really look tall because of the way the camera angle is. And then it pans down to the floor. And I thought that was a really cool shot. And um, so he's in this, well, really, it's like a line of, I mean, really just like one section of a library, if you can think like bookcases on both sides. But, you know, you look at that, and I don't see any other hallways there. It's no, just one yeah, little it's just closet one little, yeah. hallway, it looks yeah, like. Yeah, but exactly. they're, they're stacked to the ceiling with yeah, it, you know what really I mean? really high. And, and there's a sliding ladder that the professor's sliding around on. And then they have this, you know, exchange, a conversation, right, about, um, you know, he, he hands the professor his... Uh, business card and he he you know oh that's from another uh, a previously satisfied customer yeah yeah and then he you know he's telling the professor that he can do all of the things that he wants to do in life if he just has the love of leela basically that's the conclusion (laughs) right he comes to because the professor asks him why are you here for you for money what do you want you want power do you want prestige you know he, he names off all of these you know Things that, you know, mortal men would be easily enticed by. And no, it's not any of those things. He just wants the love of Leela, the the woman that he loves. And I'll be the happiest man in the world. Yeah, exactly. And that's funny because even the, the librarian, if you will, is like the happiest man in the world. They say it both at the same time. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. not his first rodeo. He's heard it before. Yeah. And then we, we, we come to find out that the glove cleaner, which I had to watch <laughs> two or three times to find out what a glove cleaner was. Uh, it's basically a, a poison, a, a poison potion, right? right. It costs a thousand dollars, but the love, love, potion, potion, love potion number nine is only a dollar. <laughs> so of course that's what he wants. Roger wants that. And then, uh, he gets his potion and, uh, after, uh, exchanging a few words with the professor, he then moves on to Leela's apartment, I think, is the next scene that we come to, right? Yep. And so... Knocks on the door, sticks his face up close to the door. She's not letting him in. Yeah. And he comes in with a champagne bottle. And flowers. And flowers and the champagne glasses. And she's in her robe, which you brought up a good point. <laughs> as soon as he comes in, she says, I have to go into the back room and change my robe, which... She knew from the phone call that he was already coming over on his way, right? Which makes me think: Was she already waiting for somebody else to come? Because she's still in like a, a I guess you would call it her pajamas. Um, but she's like, "I'm going to go put on my dress," and she's like, "You got five minutes." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, "Wow!" Yeah. Uh, so then he gets all smart, and this is where he's pouring the champagne while she's changing, and he dumps that love potion, if you will, into her cup of champagne. So the next scene, she's already back out. She she even put her diamond earrings in. Her hair looks nice. Yeah, you know, got like a little off the shoulders uh, dress on, and she just swallows that champagne she down. She gulps it down <laughs> as fast as possible. And you just see, man, he's he's ready to go. He's like, ah, any moment now, she will be mine. And she's like, well, that's enough time, Roger. Time's up. Yeah, yeah. I remember watching the first time and just like thinking in the back of my mind like when, when are they going to make the changeover for her like it's you know the kind of in suspense like when is, when How is long, she going to go gonna from work? hating him to loving him is it going to work you know when are they going to when are they going to put it is he going to leave and then she's going to call him later but it all happens 
pretty quickly. The potion takes its effect probably within a minute. She's in the middle of throwing him out, and she tells him that she doesn't love him and that... She doesn't even like him. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in here he, like, sneaks a kiss. Doesn't he convince her? No, he, her a- he asks her for one more To hug. one more kiss. Or a, she, she suggests that A thing. parting kiss. Yeah, she does it. Yeah, and then, you know, she's not... She's not convinced yet that she... She said... She's like, that's all the best I can do. And that took all my strength. You know, like, she's just ready for him to go. She really treats him like dirt. But uh, then all of a sudden... You know, the whole the whole time. Yeah, and then... Yeah, go ahead. And then all and of a sudden... She's like, well, maybe I'm being cruel. And he's like, I'll leave, whatever. And she's like, Roger? And he's like, huh? <laughs> he turns around, his face lights up, like, oh. She's like, let me make it a little nicer. And then she lays one on him, you know. And... <laughs> Yeah, I think this is the. What's he saying? Oh, he says like a stupid corny line right here, like yeah, that's it, baby, or something. Oh yeah, what? Come here, baby, come here, baby, and then they, you know, <laughs> she's completely done the one eighty, and now she's the potion has worked, and she's in complete love with him, and then we go to like a commercial break or, you know, whatever, and we come back, and then the next scene, she is sitting at his feet. While he's reading. But you know now they're husband and wife because it yeah. says, uh, but, yeah. uh, hello, my husband or whatever. So some yeah. time has passed. I think right. probably six months, I would right. say. Um, and he's wearing like a smoking jacket. Oh, this is total 60s. <laughs> this is like WandaVision all over or whatever. <laughs> rubbing you his know. feet. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's rubbing his feet. He's, he's reading a book in a smoking jacket. He has like a shirt and tie on, you know. Yeah, he's like, my feet hurt. She's like, well, I could go soak my hands in ice water and rub them down or whatever. I was like, man. And then she goes to the pipe and, you know, she offers to, like, smoke the pipe. To break it in, yeah. To break it in, yeah. And she's just... Smother. She's a smother now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's all just. Uh, he, it really is a good piece of acting, I think, on her part. I know maybe you might not agree totally, Jimbo, but like, she really makes that transition. I mean, she's pretty believable, and in in both. I mean, that that's a hard transition to go from completely hating somebody or pretending to act like you. That's why they call it acting, them. Eric. They I take know, but classes just, for that. I know, but that, I just thought that was pretty. Pretty good. But she is just doing any little thing that he wants, and sometimes even the things he doesn't want she's trying to do, and he's just he's just over it. He's annoyed already. Yeah. So he's... It, <laughs> is this where he, he he makes up an excuse so he can get out of that? Well, house, he said he right? has a meeting or something yeah, that yeah. he has to go to, and he thought he'll be back later, but he forgot all about it. He's going to be late if he doesn't go, and uh, yeah. so he starts walking towards the door, um, and he's just like... You know, and I think he's probably this. Is probably isn't the first night that he sat there and wondered what's going on. Like, what did I get myself into? She's just, <laughs> you know, all over him. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I can't blame the guy. I mean, she is literally just—he can't even read a book. Well, I do. I blame him because I mean, that's what he wanted, right? And right I'll get, but, I'm getting I mean, ahead of myself. No, no, but. no. But I mean, as far as here, you know what I mean. Uh, all he wanted to do was read a book. Yes, he wanted her to love him, but yeah. all he wanted to do is sit down and read a book. He can't even read a book because. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, if you remember what the guy said, hey, she's going to follow it around like a, a body say, a cocker spaniel. He was or, warned. He right, was he warned by the him. professor, yeah. He's like, you know, oh, and it yes, didn't this matter. Is what you want. <laughs> it didn't matter because, you know, his idea of love was, or his, uh, the figment in his mind, his mind was just like, that's the only thing I really need. And then just this whole did you see of his, the door did you stuff. See, did you notice that, though? When he first got there, remember when she yeah, wasn't letting him in? He kissed the door. And then, and then she then kissed the door when he, he left. leaves. Yeah. That was very cool. That's 
That's so corny, though. I know. Did you notice the door opens automatically for him when he goes yeah. back here? I was like, something's going on. So he's made his way back to the Professor Damon. He's like, do you remember me? <laughs> he's like, of course I have. And the professor knows exactly why he's come back. And he's like, yeah, I want the I want the glove cleaner, basically. This is what we come to determine. And... Uh, and then there's some more communication between the two of them, and I think some something to the effect of like a thousand dollars. That's all of my savings, and <laughs> and he Should already a Dogecoin. Right? <laughs> yeah, he already has the uh, check written out, though. That's that's what I remember too. Like he went with full intentions. He knew exactly what he was going. And you kind of wonder how long he's had that check written out for, too. Right. And uh, so. Let me ask you a question real quick. Yeah. Why do you think the professor always had that scarf on? Hmm. It's the same scarf, the same tie, the same outfit as the first time he came to see him six months later. Yeah, that's that's a good pickup. Is the professor stuck in another dimension where he can't change clothes? Or does it just happen to be, hey, we wore the same clothes on the same day? Or maybe that's just... The professor's attire, you know, when you think about it, a professor, they always have to wear some kind. Well, of this like, isn't Professor McGonagall from s- Harry Potter, or scarf you know, or ascot, or right? Something. Is he Hufflepuff or is he Gryffindor? I don't uh, know. It's in black and white, but I I'm just know. saying. Uh, I, I just thought that was interesting too. That it's the exact same clothes that he was wearing the first time he came right. to him. So, and he reassures Roger that you know this is painless, odorless. You know, you basically you've got one shot at it. You can't let it spoil because if yeah. If you wait, you wait, or second guess yourself, it's over. He's like, like you'll never be able to never have it. a second chance, yeah. or you'll never get on right. with it. Yeah. So, you know, this is this is Rogers and backed into a corner now. This is no, this is the only way out. Which I, I don't know. That's one of the many things that I didn't like about this particular episode. But um, and he's like, "How do you think I came to invent the glove cleaner?" Which is very interesting. He's like, "No trace, no order, you know, no taste, you know, it's easy." He's like, all right, and then he just pulls out the check and gives it to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it kind of makes you wonder. Number one, how did the professor do it, make it? But number two, why did he make it? Is it from years and years of his own um, love, hate, uh, divorces, whatever you will? Oh, maybe he's had experience, and that's uh, why he came up with it. And if that's true, how many did he kill to perfect it? You know what I mean? (laughs) Is yeah. Um, so we're back from the the library or our professor's library back into the the uh, townhouse or the penthouse, <laughs> and uh, Roger has brought back a bottle of champagne and flowers again, and Leela tells him, "Oh, this is gonna this be such a great night. We're gonna I'm gonna light some candles." And unlike the, do you remember the first time he came over, Roger? Well, this time, you know. You uh, you have my full attention. I can't remember exactly what she says. But right. Basically, you don't have to strive so hard for my attention this time. And then this time, Roger kind of shoes her away and goes, All right, honey, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he kind of <laughs> sends her over to the other side of the room so he can make the drinks. And he sticks the potion in um, the glove cleaner, if you will. He puts it in one of the champagne glasses. And did you notice he was very careful with her because she was starting to come at him? He went around yeah. to the back side of the couch yeah. so he wasn't going to spill anything. Yeah, which I think was very telling. And then uh, she's over there spraying perfume on herself already, and I was like, "Great, here she goes." <laughs> and he's like, "Here, Roger." So she pulls him over the back of the couch, and he sits down. Luckily, he doesn't spill anything right now. 
And he's like, oh, yeah, here you go. <laughs> you know, when I first, again, we talked about this, the first time I saw this episode, I thought the ending was going to be, the ending was different than what I thought. I thought the ending was going to be him um, accidentally drinking the wrong champagne glass. Right. And then he was going to get the glove cleaner. Well, this is where uh, he says, either he says or she says something about, um, this is for you, baby bunny or whatever. And she's like, oh, my little rabbit. He's like, and then she pulls up a little thing she's been knitting, which is a little bitty baby's like, and he's like, baby. Th-, and he drops both champagne glasses and therefore he's stuck like Chuck. So, <laughs> if you will. So now he's got to live with his regret. And she's like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. We got plenty of time or we whatever. We got the rest of our <laughs> lives. And, and he- you just. <laughs> He's just like... His face goes blank in his eyes. This is only the beginning. <laughs> stares in disbelief. And then he just... <laughs> the rest uh, of our lives. And then it, <laughs> the great passing out scene. Yeah. Which here's a, um, another great uh, part is where they pan out to the window. Yeah, yeah. And there sits the professor on the patio smoking a pipe. Or, sorry, a cigar. And he takes a puff and he blows out this heart-shaped smoke ring if you will Mm -hmm. and it kind of just fades out and goes up into the air which is pretty cool how they did it It was like on a uh, postcard or something Mm -hmm. and they just slid it up so okay um i forgot to write down the exact method that they used but that was one of the uh, things that i was going to write down that i didn't get to but um let's talk about a few interesting things of this episode or non-interesting things (laughs) if you will so um this was written by robert presnell jr this is the only episode of season one not written by rod serling Charles Beaumont or Richard Matheson, and you know what? It shows. You can really <laughs> tell it shows. Uh, what a what a difference, if you will. Um, the events in China, which Roger refers to when he's talking to the professor, because um, he's he's just trying to make casual talk. He's like, "Yeah, you know the, the thing that's going over there in China." Well, that was actually the Great Chinese Famine of 1959 to 1961. It estimated that tens of millions of Chinese perished during this famine. And I didn't know that because I was wanting I to know. Hear. I wanted to, I was wanting to know what he was talking about because I was trying to place the wars and they weren't adding up. Right. Very interesting to find out about that. Um, Roger Shackleforth wears the same smoking jacket worn by Rod Taylor, uh, uh, H. George Wells, in the Time Machine in 1960. Um, the professor's named A. Damon, which is a play on words for a demon, as evidenced by the outcome, which I, I got a little thing at the end of this. Um, so he obtains the love potion over Leela uh, in the Twilight Zone, Jess Bell, in 1963. McIntyre's wife, Jeanette Nolan, played Granny Hart, from whom Jess Bell Stone obtains a love potion to win over Billy Ben Turner. So that's another reoccurring love potion theme later on in, I think, season four or five. <laughs> Um, this episode reuses the jazz theme from the Twilight Zone, The Fever, which was the um, gambling one with a right. thing. And jazz is a theme because the next one, you think this one's bad way till the next episode. More jazz themes. Yes, well, we'll get there. Uh, Leela's telephone number dialed by Roger repeatedly in the opening scene is 323-6263. So you want to call that real quick? <laughs> 323. What was it? 323-6263. Oh, okay. Well, somebody probably answered, hey, is Leela there? <laughs> I miss you. I love you. They'll probably get thrown in jail these days. Um, the episode is obviously based upon a man who uh, who sold his soul to the devil for a love potion. Um, and here we go. The professor's name, A. Damon, is even more direct than a play on words or contriving misspelling for a demon with an extra A. But rather, it's saying outright that the professor is a daemon. 
the word daemon it's in this itself a word and does not need to be contorted into a a demon with a leftover letter a to derive the word demon the word daemon as is written exactly on the door means an evil spirit and is a variant of the word demon without misspelling so what we can see on screen professor a daemon is simply foreshadowing that behind the door is the professor a daemon so um it's more of an evil spirit which didn't know that didn't either so, Eric, you got anything else before? Yeah, we I got a few more our, things here. Um, just by way of trivia, I think you covered most of what I had too. Was, uh, I mentioned this maybe a little bit earlier in the episode "Love to Death" on the television series "Tales from the Crypt," initially telecast on June fifteenth, nineteen ninety-one. A variation of this Twilight Zone was presented. A writer who receives the brush off, who was played, the writer was played by Andrew McCarthy. That's why I had to watch it because it's <laughs> That's all why you 80s. don't get your 80s Eve. Yeah, nothing. I get my 80s Eve. Um, he receives the brush off from an attractive neighbor and purchases a magic potion designed to make her fall in love with him. Only after he starts receiving her affections does he learn that there is such a thing as too much love. And that that one, by the way, I will just give you a heads up. I probably wouldn't recommend it. It's, this episode is far more tame that one the the tales from the crypt episode is a lot more sexualized but well a lot of tales from the crypt yeah, was exactly yeah. so i just it just sparked my interest so i uh i watched that one and then just by way of questions and observations um i think we covered what was leela's occupation i think we talked about that a little bit um and how did roger and leela come to know each other i think we also talked about um that one and then yeah i think we covered everything throughout the episode that i had written down as far as questions and observations um yeah i think that's pretty much it what i have in my notes um you ready to go with your so, postscript take or Eric, you want me to go first well, let's hear your take first or would you like okay. me to go first it doesn't matter because <laughs> i'm pretty much it I'm doesn't pretty sure matter it doesn't really matter because well just go ahead right, it doesn't right. matter i entitled this postscript a silly sophomore clod <laughs> Mr. Roger Shackleforth is a man who is madly, passionately, illogically, and miserably all-consuming in love. That's how Rod would put it in his opening narration. I would humbly submit that he is consumed by infatuation, obsession, and fixation. Not to be too hard on Roger, because we've all been there, whether it be with something or someone. Perhaps if we were given a little... Uh, a little more of Layla and Roger's backstory, like how they came to know each other, we might understand in more detail Shackleforce mania. However, I realize due to time constraints that this may have been an impossibility. This crazed attachment has caused him to believe that he uh, caused him to believe that if he could just have Layla, he could do all of the rest himself, i.e., success, money, admirers, power, and the world at his feet. His world, the world at his feet, excuse me. The truth is that relying on someone to fulfill your need of happiness is a recipe for disaster. By substituting love for infatuation by means of a potion, Roger instead got more than he bargained for. A smothering, obsessive, clingy wife who sits at his feet, hugs, hugs his recently worn jacket, and kisses him <laughs> through the door. It's even hard to read this. And when all this proves too much for Roger, he returns to Professor A. Damon and uh, contemplates utilizing the glove cleaner as a way of resolving the problem that he created. He purchases this very expensive potion, but thankfully, he could not go through with it. Patricia, Patricia Barry's ability as 
uh, Leela to make a 180 degree turn from being annoyed uh, and aloof to absolute adoration is the bright spot in this episode. Overall, I felt the premise was silly and the episode felt a bit cringy at times. The whole idea of spiking someone's drink in order for them to love you, air quotes, Mm. just makes me a little uneasy. However, I can appreciate that those were different times in television. Real love does not insist on its own way, but it is selfless and seeks to serve. Roger the Clod only sought to fulfill his own need to be loved through the delusion that he was in love. He would have been better off taking a flying leap at the moon, but instead ended up in the Twilight Zone. Very well done. Uh, you know, and, and that, that thing that you said about the... Um Making you love somebody, you don't need a drink uh, to make someone love you. That kind of reminds me of what we were talking about earlier about how they're canceling Snow White. Yeah. Because there was no consensual for the kiss. I was like, in a cartoon. In a cartoon, yeah. So, well, we had your Let's take. Go. Are you ready for my take? I'm ready. I titled mine, I Love to Hate It. <laughs> All right? All right. And I don't need no potion. <laughs> I said, love is a mini splendid thing. <laughs> <laughs> love does something to a man differently than it does to a woman. Would you agree? I would agree. You would okay. agree. It's different. We are built differently, physically, and definitely emotionally. Roger was more concerned with lust than actual love, and you can pretty much see that from the start. Yep. Only after has he obtained everything that he thought he wanted, he realized it was not what he wanted all along. Too often in life, many people want an easy out and not work on their relationships. Sometimes you get what you thought you wanted, but turns out it's not what you needed. We can all take a lesson from Roger in this episode. We all make mistakes in the past, thinking we need something or someone, only to find out later that if we had taken that path of what we thought we had wanted, it would have only ended way worse than what we had thought, with situations that are regrettable later in time. This episode, although clearly not a top-tier episode of Season 1, has some great lessons that can be taught. Think before you act, and love unconditionally, not lust temporarily in the Twilight Zone. Very nice. So there you have it. Um, Eric, where would you place this? Bottom tier? Yeah, I think so. I think it's bottom... I didn't really like it all. I think it's it's bottom-ish tier. Um, Yeah, it just didn't really do anything for me. Um, It's It's... I mean, and I think it might be the writer or the director. It just, you could tell it was different. You know what I mean? So, you got anything else to add to that? No. I think we're we're all finished here on this one. (laughs) Thankfully. Bring out the glove cleaner. (laughs) Yeah. Glove cleaner on this episode. (laughs) I wonder if the glove cleaner is like eating Tide Pods now. (laughs) No, I'm kidding, kids. Don't try that at home. So, don't do that. Well, this episode, I think, is coming to a close. Uh, Look forward to the next episode we do, which, if you think this one was bad, I got more to say on the next one, which is a passage for Trumpet. So, stay tuned for that. So, with that being said, I think this episode's coming to a close. And, Eric, take it away. And cut. Mr. Roger Shackleforth, who has discovered at this late date that love can be as sticky as a vat of molasses, as unpalatable as a hunk of spoiled yeast, and as all-consuming as a six-alarm fire in a bamboo and canvas tent. Case history of a lover boy who should never have entered the Twilight Zone. (laughs) 